I going to ask this question? Am I not going to ask this question? Matt, have you thought about what your call will be like at the end of the game? It's something I've been thinking about. I haven't settled on anything yet, but, you know, it is something I've been kind of tossing back and forth. Like, you know, the, these words are, are going to, you know, live on in Phantom's history, and I, I hope to be worthy of the moment. Three days later. Big scrum in the left wing corner. Up to Fowler's shot. Saved by Youngso. Cleared by Hunter yeah! Bischoff. The view from the top of the mountain is everything that I thought it would be. The Youngstown Phantoms are the 2023 Clark Cup champions. Let's go, Phantom fans, and welcome to Season 5, Episode 29 of the Dump and Chase Podcast, otherwise known as the Season 5 Finale. I'm Sam, he's Justin, and after four plus years, 110 episodes, a dozen or so short episodes that we do not acknowledge anymore, we get to say something on this show we have waited a long time to say, and Justin, you have the honors. The Youngstown Phantoms are the 2023 Clark Cup champions. Oh, that felt good. That's yeah. right. <laughs> That's right. If you've been living under a rock the past week and a half and don't know, we have been promoted to being the unofficial fan podcast of the 2023 Clark Cup champions, the Youngstown Phantoms. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's just been an amazing season, an amazing ride. And uh, this is the moment we've been waiting for, the episode we've been waiting to do. Yeah. Before we get going with that episode, I, w- <laughs> I want to mention the people who have been with us now for two seasons as the official sponsor of the Dump and Chase podcast. That is Dr. Carnivus and Dr. Ashdown, along with the incredible staff at Advanced Podiatry. So be sure to check out advancedpodiatry.com for office locations and appointment information, including same-day appointments, as well as a more in-depth look at treatment options and services provided for your comfort and well-being. Again, that is advancedpodiatry.com. Advanced Podiatry, where surgery is the last resort. Yeah, when it's all said and done, and it, and it kind of harkens back to a lot of the conversations that you and me had with people um, coming into the beginning of the season, coming into the Fall Classic. Expectations were high based on uh, a few of the preseason games, um, and I, I always beg people put zero stock into the final score of a preseason game. Again, I bring up uh, the Cleveland Browns some odd years ago. Uh, going 4-0 in the preseason and then going 0-16 in the season. Now, thankfully, that's not what happened here. But again, put zero stock into final scores of preseason games. Um, but, you know, a lot of the talk coming out of the preseason, coming into the Fall Classic, and it was a lot of the conversations you and me had with people, was this team was a year away. This team was going to be better than the team last season. The pieces are being put in place. We were still about a year away. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of optimism uh, you know, to be sure, but uh, the way things just sort of came together, you could tell after the game, uh, wrap up party, I think everybody was really amazed at, at how, how everything pulled together there at the end. Um, it's just one of those things at the right moment, uh, it all comes together and, you know, uh, here we are champions. 
<clears throat> and you and we're going to go into more in depth, you know, later on. But you kind of talk about the pieces being in place. But then you look at, you know, in the offseason, you know, the Phantoms trading for Andrew Strathman, which, you know, somebody who played a huge part not only during the season, but especially throughout the playoff run. You know, the Phantom, you know, the Phantoms draft last year, uh, the Phantoms trading up with whoever I can't remember offhand, but the Phantoms trading up to get the second overall pick in phase two to get somebody by the name of Matthew Perkins. <laughs> uh, yeah, and obviously he kind of had that cannonball effect. <laughs> You fire him into the middle, and um, uh, things happen. And then, you know, the Phantoms making, which can be argued probably, you know, top three as far as trades in Phantom hi Phantoms history, uh, you know, the Phantoms bringing in Andon Serbone. And we're definitely going to talk about the playoff run that he had. Yeah, I've been following the team for, you know, quite a long time, and I'd have to say that, yeah, that might be the best trade we've ever made uh during the season you know and then the fa you know then you talk about the phantoms bringing in uh martin mishiak and pavel funtek again you know just kind of pulling strings at the right times and pulling the right strings and playing the type of game that brings these players in yeah exactly so yeah as far as uh what we got coming up in this episode this is going to be an extended version uh it's going to be a little bit longer than we typically do uh, there's a lot to talk about in this episode. Of course, we'll be talking about uh, Game 3 uh, that took place here uh, almost 10 days ago, now that, we're t now that the dust has finally settled and we're getting around to this. It's um, been that long. Um, the Phantoms uh, Championship Rally at the uh, Youngstown Amphitheater. Uh, you will hear interviews with the captain, Shane Lachance, the uh, finals MVP, Jacob Fowler, and something we've tried before didn't work out great, went a lot better this time around. Very happy about it. Uh, you will also hear uh, from Kenta Isagai. And of course, we're going to be looking back on the 22-23 uh, season and looking ahead uh, to what's in store for this summer as far as the show, as far as the Phantoms. I, I know an episode or two back, we had a little bit of fun with some shout-outs. Uh, I, I think we should do a couple more. What do you think? Let her rip. So uh, for this episode, we want to shout-out longtime listeners coming out of the uh, St. Louis, Missouri area. That would be Jeff and Carrie Catalano, uh, along with Dave Catalano, who's been following me along on Twitter. I see him on there all the time. Yeah, I got to have a really nice conversation with Tyler Catalano there at the rally. They you know, told me his parents are always listening in each episode, letting him know whenever he's mentioned. Uh, which kind of make me feel bad, make, make me, uh, made me feel bad. I, I kind of wish we mentioned him more if I would have known that. But uh, yeah, we got, uh, we got to meet Jeff at uh, main camp last year. Hopefully they'll be uh, bringing the RV down this season. I uh, get to see those guys again. So, uh, you know, Jeff and Carrie, thank you for listening, uh, keeping Tyler in the loop and everything else. And, and I, I kind of got a, I, I really have a feeling Tyler may be my guy next year. Yeah. We were kind of thinking, you know, maybe down the stretch, um, he seemed like he was playing pretty well. Um, hasn't gotten a lot of the breaks. Maybe he's deserved. Uh, so, yeah, I think next season uh, he might be a guy to watch. <clears throat> and then to uh, wrap up this segment here, of course, now uh, we have the official Facebook page of the Dump and Chase podcast. I got bugged about this enough. Um, I got tired of hearing it. So now I get to start up another social media page <laughs> to try to promote and everything else. Uh, so you can check out the official uh, Dump and Chase podcast Facebook page. Just go to the uh, search bar there, type in Dump and Chase podcast. You'll find our goofy little logo pop up there. Of course, you know, episodes we posted there, information, 
I, I find it a little bit easier to use an Instagram just because of my advancing age. So uh, <laughs> definitely be some more postings there. I got to do a little bit of a post, a uh, little bit of a live video for about two minutes of the uh, fireworks show at the end of the rally before Facebook shut it off because there was uh, live music playing. Ah, oh, welcome to the club. And they decided two minutes was long enough and uh, turned off my uh, live feed I had going there. So again, make sure to check that out on Facebook. So coming up after a break, we'll dive into game three of the Clark Cup finals and how we got to where we are now. All that and more coming up on this extended season finale of the Dump and Chase podcast on Western Reserve Radio. Welcome back to the Dump and Chase podcast brought to you by Advanced Podiatry. So at this point, we're going to get into game three of the Clark Cup finals, starting off you know, you know, and it was the goal that they were going to try to get the sellout at Cavelli. And I mean, and, you know, and it's I'm not going to lie. I mean, there was a little skepticism in the beginning because it's like we've had some big time games in that arena. We even had a Clark Cup finals game there before a couple of them. And we weren't draw, you know, and the crowds weren't anything to write home about, you know, and then, you you know, the first day tickets go on sale. You know, the announcement goes out, you know, they sold a thousand tickets in that first day. And then all of a sudden it's up to they've sold 3,500 tickets, um, which kind of blows right there, blows away. I think most attendances, you know, even the bigger yeah. ones that we've seen, you know, then all of a sudden it's, you know, then all of a sudden it's, oh, there's only like 500 tickets left. There's only a couple hundred tickets left. And then the thing that surprised me was kind of that, like, I guess they call it the east end of the arena. Those five sections that are always, you know, either tarped off or just closed off. You very rare, maybe like school day games, you'll see somebody sitting there. Or bands or, yeah. Yeah, but you, yeah, you don't ever see those seats opened, you know, and it's, you know, you can go to Ticketmaster and you can kind of see like where the seats are selling and everything like that. To where I look at one point and that section wasn't there. That section's never on the map. And then all of a sudden that section's on the map and they're selling seats for those sections. And like everything else, those little blue dots just started disappearing. Yeah, just it was just it just the more you looked, it's just the less and less blue, you know, blue dots you saw on Ticketmaster's website. And then next thing you know, there's the announcement. The game is sold out. Standing room only. Standing room only. Yeah. Um, a couple of people I work with, um, they were watching those blue dots. And um, I think the Phantoms sold the fear of missing out. Um, you were going to be missing something special if you did not show up at this game and those blue dots just disappeared. I think when it was all said and done, maybe the biggest relief was, uh, felt by the ticket office <laughs> had the, had the Phantoms not won game three and there was going to be a game four the next night and they were going to try to sell another, you know, 5,600 tickets in tw less than 24 hours. Uh, I bet they were extremely happy that scenario didn't play out. Yeah, again, I mean, it would have been interesting to see what, what the turnout would have been, but I think we're all glad that, yeah. Uh, we'll never know. We'll never know. We'll never know. Just coming into the arena, and, you know, it's, you know, I was right there at the front of the line when the doors opened, but just coming into the arena, walking around, sitting down in our seats, that, I mean, there was just a buzz in that building like I had never, never, ever, ever felt before. I mean, even before that, the 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 line to get in a half an hour before, not just at the the general box office, maybe people looking for seats. I mean, the VIP entrance had a line. Uh, I, I had some drone footage that uh, showed it. I mean, 
a half an hour before the, the, the doors even open. It's it's packed around there. Yeah, but it was I mean, by the time the game started, it was it was like the building was vibrating. Yeah. And uh, I mean, crowd was kind of drowning out the DJ. Yeah. <laughs> they they went out and got a, a professional DJ and uh, we drowned him out. That's who, you know, by all accounts, did a very good job. And it was, you oh, know, yeah. a, a great pull for Youngstown to do that. I just kind of wish his speakers didn't cover the scoreboard. We always stare at that kind of. Well, you know. Before the season, when the one that we used to stare at was out for months, <laughs> and you, then you get kind of dependent on that one that's yeah. actually easier to see. But you know what? It, I mean, when it's all said and done, it's a trade off. I'll take. But yeah, that was that. That was that was probably my real only real complaint from uh, game three was my creature yeah. comfort was taken away from me. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you know, and then again, before the game starts, kind of another first in all the years I've been there. To the best of my knowledge. I've never seen a former player come back. Now, granted, you know, they're playing in college. The seasons kind of run along the same lines. Um, but, you know, even players from years and years from before who may not even be playing anymore, I'm walking through the concourse, and there's Jaden Grant. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, the te- yeah, team captain from last year. You know, there's Jaden Grant standing there by the uh, Phantoms information desk. And it's, uh, and it's like, wow, it's like, you know, and then you start to realize, yeah, that, you know, you get more and more of an understanding of this, how, what a big deal this is, that we yeah. actually have a former player coming back to watch because I've never seen it. Yeah. I mean, I wonder if his parents were there. I mean, they're Blake Northville people, uh, Michigan. That's what, a couple hours away. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that kind of made you feel good seeing him. I mean, he came over, said hi to some of his former billet parents and, you know. It was just one of those moments, and I'm sure going forward, hopefully, you know, um, we see kind of more of that. And then, of course, uh, right before the game, uh, the announcement was made, I believe, the day before or two days before the game, the announcement, after we recorded, of course, but the announcement was made that uh, 12-gauge himself, Cardell Jones, uh, who was the uh, Ohio State quarterback uh, during their national championship run there in 2014 uh, with them, uh, thumping Wisconsin there in the uh, Big Ten uh, conference final game and then going on beating Alabama in the first playoff game and then, you know, beating Oregon there in the national championship. Cardell Jones stepping in, starting out the season as the third string quarterback Uh, for anybody who needs some college football refreshers on a hockey podcast. But yeah, they bring Cardell Jones in to do the puck drop. Got to meet him after the game. Uh, That's a big boy. And uh, bigger personality. Um, Great guy. Um, yeah, my uh, son Dash got we uh, got a picture uh, of him holding Dash. Dash looked a lot smaller in his arms than he looked in mine. So yeah, it just really nice moment uh, after the game. Kind of a great way to wrap it up. And then just yeah, but seeing him in person, you know, and I've said that's you know to you and others, you know, seeing being standing right in front of him. I mean, I'm I'm taller than Justin makes me out to be. I'm gonna point that out. Every time somebody sees me for the first time, they're like, oh, you're taller than I thought you would be, because apparently your descriptions of me on here makes it sound like I'm like five foot one. Uh, like, I'm actually five seven, which is still isn't tall, but uh, it's better than apparently your descriptions have led people to believe who haven't seen me in person. Uh, <laughs> well, if it's any consolation, uh, your oldest son is now taller than me, and that's like, Oh yeah, he's like six yeah. three, six four. It's ridiculous. Ah, uh, yeah, I, I don't know where. He, uh, it wasn't from my side of the family. I'll tell you that. Um, uh, <laughs> hi, Brennan. By the way, 
but yeah, and it's like I think back to you know that game with Ohio State against Alabama in the uh, college football playoff semifinal uh, when he dropped back and then just took off on a QB run and trucked that free safety from Alabama and standing right in front of him. All I can think is is what was that guy thinking, like just not moving out of the way. Uh, uh. <laughs> it's like what were you thinking? This guy's running at you full speed, and you're like, yeah, I'm gonna make this tackle. Ah, uh, well, I mean that's your job. You you gotta try, I guess. Um, yeah. Well, well more power to him because I wouldn't have done it. Um, nope, nope. He he took it like well, he took it. So yeah, beyond all of the uh, pomp and circumstance, there was actually a game to be played here. Although uh, apparently neither team got the memo in the first period. This was pretty much uh, just one uh, big fight from the beginning of the first period to the end of the first period. Uh, I mean, I don't know if you were supposed to expect that or it was a little bit, you know, expected, I think, on my part. You played two games uh, in Fargo and, you know, the uh, uh, home team lost both games. They're going to come into your arena a little, little ticked. I mean, it was a. I mean, you had when it was all said and done that first period. Uh, you know, forty-two penalty minutes were handed out uh, between the two teams just in the first period. I mean, it was kind of curious because Youngstown has played a physical game most of the season. Um, I don't think you could accuse Fargo of playing physical in games one and two. So no. it was kind of curious as to what their game plan was. You know, coming into game three, that they started out that physical, like they were going to catch Youngstown by surprise. I think they just lost their cool. Yeah, just uh, yeah, the, didn't really. Yeah, I just I I don't understand the theory in it because you're kind of playing to Youngstown's strengths if you try <laughs> to do that. Uh, because yeah, because Youngstown won out more often than not in a lot of those scrums and everything else that went on. Uh, you know, Fargo ended up being on the receiving end of a lot of it uh, when they were trying to start this kind of stuff. So just kind of curious to what they were thinking, but I mean, it didn't work, so I don't know what they were thinking. <laughs> Uh, they weren't, <laughs> and that's a uh, credit to the Phantoms in games one and two. So again, the Phantoms uh, get out, you know, come out of the first period there with no score, uh, which basically followed uh, the script of the entire series. No goals were scored in the first period. Getting into the second period, uh, the team settled down a little bit, actually started to uh, play some actual hockey. Um, let me see here if I can bring this up. Yeah, I mean, Phantoms led in shots six to five after the first period, shots in the second period, 12 to nine. And I may get this wrong and I'm going to regret it. I now wish I would have went back and looked. I mean, the closest was at one point, I was it uh, Strathman or Centrella had the shot from the point that deflected and then hit off the goalpost. That was the closest either team had come yeah. to a goal there in the second period up to that point. But yeah, just that one, you know, just that shot from the point it deflected off somebody in front and then ended up uh, hitting off the crossbar, deflecting off. And chances wise, that was it. But I mean, it did settle down only three, per only three penalties in that second period. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, both teams kind of settled back into their game plans and um, figure it out from there. And then the third period. So, yeah, get into the third period, only 24 seconds into the third period. A name I feel like we haven't mentioned a whole lot in these playoffs, so it was kind of oh, kind of a surprise. Yeah. Oh, uh, I'm stunned and amazed. Uh, somebody we just didn't really talk about all that much. Uh, Andon Serbone, uh, kind of crashing in on the forecheck, uh, stealing a stealing a pass that was basically some kind of wraparound clearing it or not a wraparound, but like a turnaround clearing attempt. Uh, picked out picked off the pass in the uh, slot, sniped it past Marinov. 
uh, giving the Phantoms a one nothing lead, uh, possibly giving Matt Lipsack a tiny stroke, uh, <laughs> the, fir- the first of a couple in this game, um, uh, giving the Phantoms a one nothing lead. And when it was all said and done, that's all they needed. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you'd have told me it was going to end up being a one nothing um, shutout, I don't know if I would have said that you were crazy or we expect that out of uh, Jacob Fowler in his last game, but um, that's what it was. You know, Fargo kind of had their push towards the end of the game. Um, Youngstown had a little bit of swagger going on at that point. I think they kind of felt like, you know, there's nothing Fargo could do at this point to get back in this game. You just it, there, there was just kind of this swagger, especially probably that last half of the third period. You know, and, you know, this is something, you know, we'll talk about with, you know, talk about in the interview with uh, Jacob Fowler a little bit later on, you know, maybe just like a little bit of an extra snap in his glove um, on a couple saves there towards the end of the game. Uh, Just, I mean, Fargo really didn't mount much of any offense there at the end of the game. The defense, which has been the story all season, just shut them down. Yeah, well, I mean, like you said, they had that little bit of extra swagger and uh, Fargo believed it. So, um you know, uh, even going into the the final push, goalie pulled. I, I just don't think Fargo really felt that they could get one past Fowler at that point. Get one past the defense. I mean, you know, a good shot. Uh, yet alone get it past Fowler. Yeah. So. so you get one one little bit of an attempt there towards the end. I don't. I know the puck got on Fowler. I don't know how much. Uh, they were able to get on any type of a shot or whatever. Uh, Hunter, uh, Hunter Bischoff clears the puck down to the other end, and the celebration begins. I definitely didn't cry in that moment. <laughs> definitely, I, 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 th- there, there, there was, there, there might have been some tears. I mean, I wasn't just like sitting in my seat blubbering. Yeah, <laughs> we won, we won. No, nothing like that. I, uh, the, there, there were, there were some tears of joy there for sure. Um, I mean, I, especially thinking back to you know two years ago, this was a team with twelve wins. Everybody was jumping ship. You know, we we were the joke of the child. You know, we were the redheaded stepchild of the league. Five years ago to the day they had done it to us on our ice. And yeah, I don't I think I was like just too sort of detached out of body at that point. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just kind of that surreal feel. It starts that moment like Hunter Bischoff clears it. You know, there's that that, you know, few seconds between the buzzer when, you know, it's like unless some, you know, God miracle from center ice uh, yeah. shot goes in, we have won it. And it's at that moment you're just like, here it is. This is it. Yeah, the game's over. Of course, the team celebrates. The confetti goes off. The arena goes crazy. They bring the cup out. Uh, you know, first they announce, uh, of course, Jacob Fowler winning the finals MVP. Um, getting the shutout, stopping all 22 shots that he faced. And I feel comfortable in saying, just purely from a statistical standpoint, as far as any goaltender who has made it to the Clark Cup Finals over the last 20-plus years, or what you would call the Tier 1 era of the United States Hockey League, the fact of the matter is, statistically speaking, Jacob Fowler had the best performance, playoff performance, by a goaltender in the Tier 1 era. You go by the metric, um, players that have won the Cup, I went back. No, uh, no, not even that. Just players who yeah. made it to the finals. Made it to the finals, yes. I went back looking. I found, I think, two that had maybe better statistics in some, you know, aspect. But if you're telling me, you know, the guy back in 2012, 2013 that was, you know, statistically better than Sean Romeo and Arthur Bray, uh, when Bray unfortunately won the cup. Um, no hard feelings. 
anyway, um, but yeah, I, you know, if that guy was, you know, the best goal, no, not by long shot. Um, then you count the awards that he won during the season, and I think it's a no-brainer. Yeah, seven times goaltender of the week, uh, the USHL goaltender of the year, the finals MVP, and then here just recently announced the USA Hockey goaltender of the year. So not just the USHL, uh, but the entire umbrella of USA Hockey, he wins uh, goaltender of the year. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I mean, it is uh, an amazing accomplishment what he has done this year. And I mean, that is only one aspect of winning a cup, but um, it all starts with goaltending. So, And the fact of the matter is, you know, we both got to know Jacob over the last year and a half. Couldn't have happened to a better kid. Oh, no. Um, I mean, just the right mixture of, you know, he's got confidence, but, you know, not overly confident. Well, I can't say that, but <laughs> um, he, kn- yeah, he, kn- I- he knows what his abilities are. And he's and he's confident in those abilities. Exactly. And, you know, he knows where he's at and uh, look what he's done. It's just. And the the fact uh, of the and the fact of the matter is, is if they don't build a statue to him, you know, statue of him outside the Cavelli Center, what are we all doing here? uh, Yes. And um, we have some opinions on the statue that can't be mentioned here. Uh, uh, they can be mentioned in a certain way. That statue is going to have to have a giant set of cojones on it. I'll tell you what. Oh, oh yes. Um, um, but those were very well backed up cojones. Yeah, it was. Yeah, his it, it still, a, a few different times his mouth wrote checks that his rear end very easily cashed. And he'll start still talk to us. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, just talking about Jacob Fowler, just uh, there in the uh, finals, uh, played all three games, went 3-0, and only allowed two goals. Uh, so overall, over the three games, a point ze- uh, 0.64 goals against average, a 976 save percentage, and the one shutout there in game three. Um, if you look overall at the playoffs, uh, nine games played, went 8-1, and 13 goals allowed, a uh, 1.36 goals against, and a 952 save percentage, and again, the one shutout. Uh, but I think the stat that is most important uh, would be the one that you pulled. Yes. So um, according to NHL uh, Network Analytics, uh, Jacob Fowler is 8-0 in uh, games that he has won and 0-1 and in games that he has lost. Um, that just goes to show you when um, he is winning, he is unbeatable. And for those of you who don't know, um, NHL Analytics put out a stat on former NTDP uh, goaltender Jake Ottinger. Great guy. Great goaltender, I guess. Um, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. When he wins, he's, what, 7-0? and And when he loses, he's 0-4. Yeah. Uh, I wish we had access to such granular statistics. I know. It, it, it's like I said, I, I, can't, I would shout out some er, like some very easy statistics early on in the early history of the show just to kind of make it sound like I knew what I was talking about. Uh, but that was the NHL network. <laughs> at least you tried. In ga- games that he's won, he's 7-0. and In games that he's lost, he's 0-4. I, I, <clears throat> wow. But uh, no, so anyway, so court, you know, Jacob Fowler wins uh, the finals MVP. Outgoing commissioner Bill Richardson comes out, hands the cup off to Shane Lachance. Uh, you know, Shane gets to raise the cup. The team celebrate. And then, of course, uh, you know, per tradition, you know, the t- you know, the t- each player on the team skating with the cup. Um, I wish I could sit here and talk about all of them and name all of them just off the top of my head. Um, you talk about Kenta Isagai. 
uh, you know, his third year with the team. He was, you know, he was the one player that was with this team two years ago when they only won 12 games. Now you had Miles Gunty and uh, Tyler Catalano who played a handful of affiliate games that season. Uh, But Kenta was with them for the entire year. He was there during that 12 win season. You know, he was here last year for the turnaround. And then, you know, a year after that, he's skating with the cup. Uh, yeah, and I mean, obviously, you know, one of the most, you know, humble players on the team. There's a guy that, you know, um, his effort going down, his improvement, his effort going down the stretch, um, I think everybody that we talked to noticed. Yeah, you talk, you talk about Andon Serbone, who was with Chicago a few years ago when they won the Cup. Um, didn't only played a handful of games during the regular season, wasn't on the playoff roster. You know, and then, you know, before this season started, was traded to Omaha. I mean, his junior hockey career was pretty much dead in the water at Omaha. Uh, You know, Youngstown believed in him enough, though, that they bring him to Youngstown. And I mean, it's, you know, talk about it. Talk about a career revival. What Andon Serbone ended up doing for this team. You know, I mean, not what not only what he did for his future prospects, but what he did for this team. Exactly. And I think, you know, we talked about how it was kind of a weird transition as fans to see him in a Phantoms jersey. But, I, you know, I couldn't I couldn't visualize him in any other jersey now. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, the role he played on this team. Uh, is immeasurable. So, uh, yeah, three yeah. game, three game winning goals in these playoffs. Uh, two in overtime, and then the goal in the the uh, beginning of the third period in game three. Uh, three game winning goals in this playoff series. I believe that's the first time in five years that that's happened um, in a single playoff year. Um, and then you know, again, you know, rounded out talking about Jacob Fowler, somebody you know who went undrafted in the USHL. Um, you know, showed up at uh, you know, showed up at Phantom's main camp, was able to impress the coaches enough that, you know, as a 15-year-old, he was added to their affiliate list. Um, you know, just, you know, what you would consider a very unconventional route for, you know, a, a United States-born player to get into the United States Hockey League, you know, and just to look at what he did with that opportunity and to see him, you know, finish off his junior career skating the cup. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the way he came to Youngstown, I mean, we have a goaltender called up to their college team because that goalie got called up to the NHL. Everybody was a little bit admittedly, you know, skeptical, but nice kid coming in. Um, you would uh, talk to him a few times uh, before he played for us. Yep. And, you know, uh, got his chance. And um, I think he knew right off the bat what his position was. And again, we've mentioned, you know, he, he lives up to the billing. All right, so with that, which was a lot more than we thought it was going to be, we're going to take a break here. When we come back, it's time to talk a little party, or in this case, uh, we're going to talk a rally. Uh, That and more is coming up here on the Dump and Chase podcast on Western Reserve Radio. Advanced Podiatry has been making happy feet in the Mahoning Valley for 35 years. Our offices are located in Cortland, Champion, Austintown, Columbiana, and Howland. Our Howland office has relocated to 8601 East Market Street in Howland Corners. Advanced Podiatry offers sports medicine and treatment plans for all ages. You can also request an appointment online by visiting our website at advancedpodiatry.com. Advanced Podiatry, where surgery is always a last resort. We're back with the Dump and Chase podcast sponsored by Advanced Podiatry. 
So as they say, to the victors go the spoils. And uh, part of that was uh, the rally that was held at the Youngstown Foundation Amphitheater uh, this past Wednesday, um, which I got to say I was fairly impressed with. I have yet to uh, go to the amphitheater since it was built here a few years back. That is actually a nice little setup they got going on there. Uh, agreed. Uh, my first time there as well. Um, nice open area. Um, great, great sight lines. Eh, maybe we can get an outdoor game there. No, just nah. <laughs> no. No, the, the funny thing is what it kind of reminded me of anybody who has uh, ever spent any time at a concert at a uh, Star Lake Amphitheater or Chevy Amphitheater yeah. or Post Gazette Pavilion or whatever you want to call it out there in Burgettstown, Pennsylvania. It kind of remind it was like a little miniature version of that. It was really neat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it's back to Star Lake. I, I might be wrong, but. Somebody told me that. Yeah, there's Starlikes uh, in the title there somewhere again. It's gone yeah. through so many names over the years. Yeah, it's just kind of a smaller version. Um, you just got a little bit of a hill. I, I think it's very well done. Kind of minimalistic. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's perfect right there on the river. I'm great. Yeah, nice little venue there. For any fans that went, it, you know, just kind of the amazing thing. You know, the players were just kind of walking around. Uh, you know, team personnel were just kind of walking around like everybody was like accessible to everyone. Yeah. And it was and it was just like this wonderful, just open atmosphere that you could just willy nilly just walk right up to Will Whitelaw. You know, hey, how's it going? You know, you know what I mean? And it's, you know, for let's, a lot, you know, and for a lot of people, it's other than maybe like autograph signings and stuff like that. There's not, you know, or like an event after the game. There's not really a ton of opportunity to, you know, get to talk to the players or whatever. I mean, but this was just a completely open deal, and you can just walk up to whoever you wanted to walk up to. Not that either one of us did, but you could have walked up and got into a ball hockey game with the players or, you know, down in front of the stage. I mean, that was mostly for kids, but... <laughs> Well, you you don't you don't know how many of those kids uh, came out during the uh, t the uh, official timeout breaks during games to shovel out the crease that you've mocked. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I obviously I couldn't go there. Some some of those some of those kids might have been those kids down there playing. It might have been best that you stayed away. Yeah, I, I'm sure. Yeah, they they remember my face, and I don't I. I don't need to get beat up again. But yeah, you know, right down in front of the stage, kind of that concrete area, you know, you had players down there that was, you know, just playing ball hockey with the kids. And, you know, I mean, I mean, I mean, and how many times are those kids going to get opportunities like that? No, exactly. I mean, you know, those are going to be NHL players someday, some of them. Yeah. And so, and, yeah. These, and these kids have the story that. Oh, a dunk we, tank. We, yeah. A dunk tank. Yeah. That we, you know, oh, we went here and we got to play ball hockey with these, you know, he's playing in the NHL now, but I got to play ball hockey with him, you know, a few years back, you know, you know, and then, of course, with us walking around trying to, you know, finding that balance between their stuff we needed to do for the show and then, you know, wanting to be a fan at the same time. So kind of try to balance those two out to where we can just walk around and just be fans and, you know, not worrying about sticking microphones in people's faces and stuff like that. But, uh. You know, just, you know, just a lot of it. And, and it's the crazy thing was as much excitement as there was for what had just happened with the Phantoms winning the cup. But just like this excitement, anytime we would start talking to anybody about next season. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I basically, you know, I'm not I'm not going to name names or anything like that. But basically having a conversation with somebody who they felt in their opinion that this team is maybe only one or two players away from being the favorites next year. And um, 
you know, uh, as you've mentioned, there might be things in the works already for to get those players. Yeah. Again, I no. I I I do, out of out of uh, respect and journalistic integrity, I'm not gonna say anything. But yeah, I was kind of clued in. Uh, come uh, main camp coming up here in a little bit. There may be a surprise or two. Ah, uh, I mean that's to be expected with winning the cup, but. I, I think with the people that we have in the office, um, general managers, uh, presidents, uh, I mean, down the line, um, have they've proven themselves um, the ability to put these players in. And so, you know, you saw that Serbone, Funtech, Bishiak. We added those players uh, during the season. Uh, that doesn't stop at the end of the season. But yeah, just again... Just kind of, I mean, it's again, it's you're reveling in, you know, the victory of winning the cup. But at the same time, there there's just this buzz talking to everyone, you know, about this upcoming season. And it's, yeah. you know, and the, this is kind of the benefit, you know, you know, Nick Williams was the only overage birth year kid on the team. Yeah. You know, so basically it is guaranteed Nick Williams is not coming back this next season because he aged out. That's the only one. Now, Grant, you know, and but Grant, you know, we know there are others, you know, you know, Shane Lachance is moving on, Jacob Fowler is moving on, some others, you know, we know that for sure, you know, and that's, you know, when we've had kind of older teams, more experienced teams in the past, you know, the Phantoms had success, but they were all gone the next year and it was, all, you know, like a, you know, 75% of the team is gone and it's almost a rebuild the next season. There are a lot of kids on this team coming back next year. Yeah. And I mean, as we've seen in the past, uh, you know, Sometimes, you know, things don't work out where you're at as some of these players are eligible to come back to the team if, uh, for whatever reason, things don't work out. So winning the cup, uh, you know, putting a, a, a quality product out there uh, might make players, you know, think that that is a viable option. Yeah. But not only that, at the same time, you're you're now, you know, they're talking, you know, all this talk, you know, especially with Coach Ward about changing the culture. And there's somebody else we could talk about, you know, just the job that he did. Yeah. This year. Yeah, yeah I ch exactly. And, you know, the word gets out. This is a team you want to come to now. Yeah. So, you know, now now you're going to be the team that, you know, these players, these advisors are coming to you saying, hey, I'm interested. You have a spot for me. And uh, the reputation amongst players. I mean, you know, these kids talk. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So, you know, this isn't a place that, hey, you might want to avoid this locker room. It, you know, there's some issues here. Now it's a fun place to play. And you're seeing that, you know, and you're seeing it playing out where, you know, the conversations we've had with uh, Jason Deskins and Ryan Kosecki, the Phantoms general managers, the conversations that we've had with them where they talk about we don't want, you know, we're not building for one good year and that's it. We're building, you know, for a future where this team is competing each and every year, yeah. you know, where this is an upper tier team every season. And already we have a team that has now won a cup that we're already looking ahead to next year as being a team that could be one of the favorites for next year. Yeah. And you mentioned changing the culture um, and you mentioned earlier in the show, uh, this might be a team that, you know, uh, maybe not this year, but the next year, you know, um, it steps. I don't think changing the culture was something we thought was going to turn around quite so quickly. Yeah, that ever that that the players kind of bought in 
to what it was, you know, the GMs, you know, the coaching staff, what it was they wanted to do that the players bought in as quickly as they did. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you could see that was definitely part of it past the kind of the midseason, maybe a little bit later than that. But yeah, it was everybody kind of uh, bought into the system, bought into the culture. And, you know, I, I think it caught us both kind of a little off guard there. Yeah, another part. Yeah, another part about the rally that I loved because, you know, an NHL team, if they win the Stanley Cup, they're not just going to stick the Stanley Cup on a table and anybody can just walk up to the thing, pick it up, hold it or blah, blah, blah or whatever. Uh, You know, it has people that travel with it that protect it at all times. Nice guy, by the way. Yeah. Uh, The the, the guy with the uh, blondish grayish mop top. I can't think of his name offhand, but yeah. You, you White always, glove, yeah. Yeah, you always see him in pictures with the cup and everything, traveling it around. But it's not something that's fan accessible. Yeah, they're going to put it on a table and you could stand behind a line and, you know, take a picture next to it. You've done that. Yeah. Do, you know, were they going to let you pick it up and hold it above your head? No. I did get to touch it. You did get to touch it, but, you know. Yeah. But Yeah, no, they're not, they're not going to let me pick it up. Unfortunately, they had to let uh, Pat Maroon pick it up. <laughs> um. But yeah, it's like, you know, the cup was out there. If you wanted to touch it, you could touch it. If you wanted to take pictures with it, you could take pictures with it. If you wanted to pick it up and hold it above your head and take a picture, you could pick it up and hold it above your head and take a picture. Now, a a lot of people were obviously around the cup. It's a big deal. You and me did not get our, uh, you ended up having to duck out a little bit early. So you and me didn't get our picture opportunity. Um, I did, if, if anybody follows any of my social media, I plastered it everywhere. Great picture. Oh, cut that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This isn't the Lincoln podcast. Stop that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you have to bring back the Uga horn for that one. Um, yeah. So, You're welcome. Yeah. So I ended up getting my, uh, yeah, I ended up getting my picture uh, with the cup. I took it with uh, Jason Deskins. Again, the Phantoms, you know, one of the Phantoms general managers, you know, somebody who's actually become a very, you know, a great friend over the course of this whole thing, not just a working relationship, but. Who took the picture? Uh, <laughs> Andrew Goldman took the picture. That's what I figured. I saw him take like over a dozen pictures with other people's cameras. I, I, I'm going to have to take a minute. I apologize. I'm just dropping names all over the floor here. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. I, I only asked that because I wanted to throw that out. Uh, you, you know, Andrew is one of our favorite people. And I, I think that's why is, I mean, I saw so many people come up and say, you know, oh, Andrew, can you take our picture yeah. with the cup? <laughs> and he was like, give me your camera. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I think Andrew might have uh, rivaled Scott there for uh, most pictures taken. <laughs> I I would not doubt that. So, uh, um, yeah, just a shout out to Andrew. And yeah, he got my drones into the, the premises. Yeah, if you were at the rally and saw an orange drone flying around, uh, shooting video and whatnot, that was Justin. Uh, not the gray one that was flying around in people's faces. Um I think at one point I saw a little kid trying to chase your drone around, but other than that, uh, but no, yeah, just, but I, I do have confirmation. I, I, I did have it confirmed that the cup will be at main camp. Uh, so we might have to do something there. So the uh, 50 other uh, combinations of people to take pictures with the cup with, we're going to have to get the rest of those at main camp, but I, it was confirmed that the cup will be at main camp. Uh, uh, so it'll be good maybe, to see, good to see old Clarky again. Maybe they'll do a little work on it before then. Yeah, that base is a little rough. It needs a little. They need to kind of square that up again. The veneer is starting to peel, guys. 
Um, you know, and then of course, uh, one of the benefits to uh, half of uh, the team you root for being owned by a national fireworks company uh, was the fireworks show at the end of the night, which again, uh, tried to do some live video. Facebook had other ideas. Um, <sighs> yeah, just a heck of a grand finale. I'll tell you what, Phantom Fireworks put on a show with that grand finale. Unfortunately, had to duck out before then. That is my one big disappointment there. And then, yeah, just, kind of, you know, the fireworks ending and then, you know, making sure you get around to some of the guys you know aren't going to be back, you know, kind of saying your final goodbyes and, uh, you know, get, getting one more chat in with uh, Tyler Catalano. Uh, Jeff and Kerry, you can text them. We just mentioned them again. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, and then another part of this, uh, we're going to go ahead and take a little bit of a break here, but another part of this, like I mentioned earlier, um, I was able to get interviews with uh, the captain, Jane Lachance, uh, Kenta Isagai, and Jacob Fowler. Uh, so you're going to hear all of those coming up after the break here. So stick around right here with the Dump and Chase podcast on Western Reserve Radio. This is the Dump and Chase podcast brought to you by Advanced Podiatry. So like I mentioned in the last segment, I was able to pull a few interviews while at the uh, Phantoms rally here this past Wednesday. Uh, of course, starting out with the captain, Shane Lachance, ha- had a couple comments to make about uh, Jacob Fowler with uh, Shane Lachance going to Boston University and uh, Jacob Fowler going to Boston College. Uh, already a tiny bit of a rivalry there. They both had comments on it. And then one that's kind of been a long time in the making, uh, getting uh, to have a short little chat with uh, Kenta Isagai who, uh, you know, and you were with me for this, uh, more towards the beginning of last season, we uh, attempted to do an interview with uh, with Kenta. You know, his, his English had become a lot better than when he had first arrived in Youngstown, but as far as being able to do an interview, you know, he was a little nervous about that. It ended up not working out too great. Yeah, he communicated more in, in uh, body language, which doesn't translate in uh, an audio-only interview. No, um you know, so, you know, and he, you know, and it's, you know, after that, and it's, you know, we kept telling, you know, we're going to get you back on sometime. We're going to get you back on, you know, and he was always game for it. And then uh, when I asked him at the rally, he jumped right to it. So I was able to uh, chat with him for a little bit. But yeah, like I said, I, you know, basically you'll be hearing this in a kind of rapid fire succession here. Uh, Shane Lachance, Kenta Isagai, and Jacob Fowler. So let's get to that. All right, Andrew, we're here with Captain Shane Lachance. Uh, Shane, other than winning the cup, how would you sum up your two years here in Youngstown? I mean, it's been awesome. I think every day, I've said this a couple of times now, every day it's just gotten better and better. And I think, you know, these fans are, you know, awesome to us. And I think it's great for them to be able to be out here and, you know, celebrate with us and, you know, get their time with us. And I think, you know, I'm going to remember this time forever. Now you come in beginning of last season. Of course, it's a rebuilding year for the Phantoms. You guys far exceed expectations last season. And then, of course, you know, a lot of the talk going into this season was maybe this team was a year away. What is it to you that kind of maybe pushed up that timeline? Yeah, I think last year I really learned how to, you know, be a leader. And, you know, I learned from a lot of great guys behind me. You know, Jaden Grant was a great leader for us. And I think, you know, he was able to teach me a lot about what it is to be a leader. And I think, you know, coming in this year, I, I kind of knew it was going to be my last year of junior hockey and I wanted to do something special. And I think, you know, our group did a hell of a job buying into that. And, you know, just obviously you can see that here with the trophy here. But, you know, I just think, you know, our, our team did a, did a great job buying in. And, you know, obviously the rest is history. No, you talked about uh, Jaden Grant. We talked earlier in the season about just kind of the lessons you learned from him. Um, like, what lessons do you hope to pass on to the next guy? Yeah, I mean, whoever's the captain here next year, um, you know, I'm obviously going to reach out to him a lot. I'm going to, you know, let them know that they're, I'm here, anything they need, because it's definitely not an easy position to have. Um, 
you know, everything falls on you pretty much, you know, from the coaches, you have to relay the message. And I think, you know, it's a great position to have, you know, it teaches you a lot. It taught me a lot. You know, I'm so thankful for the guys to help me out a lot. I definitely couldn't have done it by myself. You know, I had a great group of leaders uh, next to me and all around me in the locker room. And I think I'm just going to, you know, pass on all the knowledge I have to them, you know, to, so they can be successful in the future. Now, the game on Friday night, of course, almost 6,000 people in the arena. Have you ever played in front of anything like that before? I mean, it was it was unbelievable. I, I can't even put it to words. I mean, I was sitting on the bench about 30 minutes before warm-ups, and, you know, there was probably already 3,000 people in the building. The, the DJ's going, and, you know, I couldn't, even, I couldn't even hear my own voice talk. So, you know, that's what you want in junior hockey. That's the atmosphere you strive for, and I think, you know, that's what ultimately got us the win, you know, just the, just the great support from this Youngstown crowd. Now, this might be a tricky one, but the clock runs down to zero there at the end of the game. What's going through your head? I mean, I thought it was icing, to be honest with you at first. Um, <laughs> I was I, I kind of came off a little late. I just, you know, no one skated back for it. So then I was like, all right, we want it. You know, but that shot on Fowler there at the end, you know, I was like, oh, my God, he had to make one more save, you know, which is obviously he's going to make the save. He's been great for us all year. But I think, you know, once once that puck got shot down, it started to sink in a little bit. I just hopped off the bench and threw my helmet up in the air and just, you know, had my mouth wide open. I couldn't believe we were Clark Cup champs. When you talk about Jacob Fowler, I mean, what can you say about just the entire playoff run that he had? I mean, he's awesome. I've I've said this a couple of times too. Like, I'm going to be playing against him a lot next year, so let's hope he takes a little step back. Uh, <laughs> if he hears this, let's uh, you know maybe not train so hard this summer to try to you know give me a chance. But I know where to score on him, so it's alright. But no, I mean, all jokes aside, he's been he's been awesome. He he carried us to this point. You know, a lot of people say you know the captain carries guys to this point, but I mean. You know, you don't win the championship without an unreal goaltender, and, you know, that's what he did for us. He gave us a chance to win every night, and, uh, you know, we're going to – he's the MVP for the reason, you know. Now, you two kind of, sh- you know, were one of the ones that kind of shared the disappointment by the end of last season. I, yep. mean, just, I mean, just for you two, how sweet was that? How the way last season ended to how you ended it this year? Yeah, I think it was awesome for us two, and uh, not only us two, just, you know, all the returners, I yeah. think. You know, every, everyone realized coming in that, you know, we didn't want to be like last year's team. We wanted to, you know, create a new change, a new culture, and, you know, really want to strive for, you know, excellence. And, you know, obviously our goal was to win the Clark Cup. Our goal was to win the Eastern Conference, and we obviously accomplished both of those. And, you know, we couldn't be happier as a group right now. This kind of, you know, your time now winding down in Youngstown, uh, you know, what message do you want to leave for the fans here? I, my, the only thing is just keep coming out. I think, you know, we're going to have a great team for a while now, and uh, I think if from experience from this last game, if you keep coming out, it makes it that much easier for us to play on the ice. You know, home ice advantage is huge in this league. And, you know, having all those fans cheering and yelling in the stands, you know, it just, it just makes everything that much easier. And, you know, it gives us that boost that we need to go out there and get the job done. All right. Well, Shane, thank you for everything the last two years and good luck in your future, bud. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. All right. Now I'm here with Kent East, the guy. Kent, uh, your third year with the team. Now your first year with the team, the Phantoms only win 12 games. Two years later, you're Clark Cups champions. How good does that feel? Um, Amazing. Just amazing. Feels good. Can you, uh, can you talk about that crowd on Friday night? Again, you've been here for three years now. I know you haven't seen anything like you saw on Friday night with the crowd. Yeah, that was awesome, actually. It was so loud. It helped a lot, actually. Yeah. I mean, as this season comes down to an end, uh, I mean, obviously your teammates, I mean, what are you going to miss about, you know, this season coming down to the end here? I mean, I'm going to miss every everyone because I love them. Yeah. I, I don't know what am I going to miss, but. All right, 39 points this season. Are, are we getting over 40 next year? Over 40. Over 40? Yeah. Maybe over 50. Over 50? Yeah. All right. All right, Kenton, thank you very much. I thank appreciate you. it. Thank you. All right, and we're here with the Clark Cup MVP, Jacob Fowler. Been a hell of an 18 months, but. Yeah, it's awesome. I think I can speak for every one of these guys, and it's 
you don't want this to end. And, you know, there was no better feeling than being able to just throw your mitts and just hug everybody on this team. And, uh, you know, it's something we wanted to do since day one. And to bring this home to this entire city and this entire organization, it's something that no one can ever take away from us and there can never be another first Phantoms Clark Cup champion. Now, it seemed like towards the end of the game there on Friday, there was maybe just a little extra snap to the glove uh, there in the third period. Uh, were you feeling it at that point? or? Yeah, I think at that, at that moment, you're not really thinking about it too much. I think it's, you know, you're trying your best not to look at that clock because at the end of the day, there could have been an hour left on that clock. You just got to make one more save than their guys. So just taking that one shot, one save at a time, as cliche as it sounds, it's it was the key to that victory. And, you know, even the last four seconds, you can't take your foot off the gas. So no champions. What What's that feeling like when you're out there, you make a save and you got close to 6,000 people screaming for you? It's something I haven't experienced too often in my hockey career. And, you know, I think win or lose the Clark Cup, I think something we've wanted to do in Youngstown this season is you want to rebuild that fan base. You know, there's, if there's one thing you want to do is you want to fill that arena. I think you think back to last year on that Tuesday night where there's maybe only 500, 600 people to then win the Clark Cup a year later with 6,000 people. I think that's a win on its own. So to mix all that in, being champions of this league, it's, it's our duty to the city to do that. And, you know, they showed their part by coming out for us. Now, you had the early playoff exit last year with Madison. I mean, how much of a motivating factor was that going into this year, just not wanting to have that feeling again? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, game one against Cedar Rapids was that double overtime game, which, you know, if that game goes the other way, you never know how today feels. So yeah. I think we had a bunch of returning guys on that team. So the locker room these past 10 days in May, as Coach Ward says, were just, it doesn't matter what happened the day before or the shift before, it's, what can you do to make an impact on the game and give your team the best chance to win? And we had 23 guys pulling the rope in the right direction, and, you know, that's why we're Shana here today. Now, I talked to Shader and kind of talked about, you know, U2's journey from last season to this season, and he talked a lot about the importance of having somebody like you in goal. To you, what was the importance of having somebody like Shane, you know, leading this team? No, there isn't a better leader. I think in my short career to this point, I've been so fortunate to have guys like Shader in my locker room, and you know, he's one of my best buddies, but... We're going to be friends for now, but, you know, the next few years we're not going to be too close to buddies when we're you playing them. Same thing. <laughs> you said hopefully you take a step back next year. Uh, I'll look forward to, you know, seeing his success, but as long as it's not against the Eagles, we'll, we'll be all good. We're 60 minutes every now and then. You're not friends. You know, <laughs> his mother told me that, and I said, you know, I'm going to love her every day except for when it's the battle I come at. When he's the one standing in front of you in the crease. Yeah, it's definitely going to make my job a lot harder when I got that six foot five B standing in front of me. But All right, so your time's coming down to an end here. Uh, you know, after this, you're taking off to Boston. Uh, you know, what do you want to say to, you know, Youngstown fans? And not only have you supported over the last 18 months, but especially here in this playoff run. Yeah, I mean, there isn't a better place to play junior hockey. And I think, you know, everybody wants to talk about the 6,000 people we had on Friday night when it's it's deeper than that, you know. Everybody wants us to be champions here, and, you know, this city is the one city that nobody wants winners more than Youngstown, and to be able to call yourself a Youngstown winner, it's something that not a lot of people can say, so to bring what we just did back to the city and to the billets, to the parents, to the families, to absolutely everybody involved with being a fan or, you know, being a fan once of this team is something that means the world to all of us because, you know, without all those people there cheering from afar on Friday night, we may not be standing here with this Clark Cup, so... It means even more to us when we get to experience this with everyone involved. All right, Jacob, thank you very much, bud. Absolutely. All right, so there you go.
So I, I guess right away, uh, Kenta Isagai, uh putting it out there, uh, 50 points next season. I think he might beat that. But again, uh, Shane LeChan, Jacob Fowler, I mean, I mean, those are just two. I mean, they both have such a career ahead of them. Uh, you know, Jacob Fowler will be uh, finding out here on about a month or so, a month or two, or I guess I should say, uh, what his future is going to start to shape up to look like. Of course, uh, Shane LeChan's moving on to college already being a uh, – Edmonton Oilers draft pick. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, those are two guys I'm just going to miss horrifically. Uh, yeah, I mean, there is a whole lot of talent, personality, and leadership um, there that uh, we're going to have to find people to to make up for. Um, but, you know, like, J- like Jacob Fowler said, you know, there's going to be, you know, those that come after, but... You know what? What's special here is you know those are the guys that won the first one. Yeah, and there, you know there's just there's always going to be that connection back to Youngstown because this was the group that you know won the first one. Yeah, and um, I mean hopefully that translates into more. Um, but I, these guys have left their mark on Youngstown hockey. That's to be certain. All right. So with all of that, that will put a button on the uh, Clark Cup celebrations. We're going to step aside for a moment, but when we come back, we'll look back on this season and what shaped and led this team uh, to basic uh, Youngstown immortality. So keep it right here with the Dump and Chase podcast on Western Reserve Radio. Join Stars photographer BA and Off-Ice official Gene Cotter for Thunderstruck, the unofficial Lincoln Stars podcast, where we talk with your favorite Lincoln Stars players, coaches, and alumni. Uh, it was a great night, yeah. Beat them in their own rink just before the buzzer. It was something special for sure. I don't want to call it a surprise because I knew that there was a great, rich history for hockey here in Lincoln, but I was really happy to see the fans come back in droves and, and be such a great supporter for us. I think he's copying some some NHL or he's looking up to, but I don't know. I think it's dusty. I think a lot of guys think it's sick, though. <laughs> to let him in penalty minutes, back before they handed out those little 10-minute wussy misconducts on everything. Thunderstruck the podcast, all season long, right here on the Anchor app, where we find your favorite podcast. Welcome back to the Dump and Chase podcast brought to you by Advanced Podiatry. So for this segment, we're just going to kind of take a look back at uh, what this season was, kind of how it went along, uh, and really just, uh, you know, kind of points along the way where the Phantoms ended up where they were at. Um, of course, you know, and we talked about earlier in the episode, um, you know, you had a new coach coming in. Uh, you had, you know, Jacob Fowler coming off, you know, an incredible half a season with the Phantoms a year before. Um, a lot of hype around this team, um, and they kind of blew through the the uh, preseason. And again, I'll say zero stock into scores, please. So yeah, coming into the fall classic, a lot of hype around the Phantoms. Uh, Phantoms play that first game against Waterloo, uh, losing that game five to two. Um, and just I, it felt like you know just right it, right off the bat, it felt like it just kind of took the air out of a lot of people's tires. As you know, that's the way the season started. Especially, I mean, that was your first time managing to get to a fall classic game. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. And, uh, you know, Waterloo beat us twice in the season. Uh, more than any other Western Conference team. Of all the three that we played. Uh, well, there's that. 
And then, um, interesting little point, how we talked earlier about trades and everything else. Uh, going back, do you remember who scored the four, the first goal of the season for the Phantoms? Uh, it wasn't Whitelaw. He scored the game winner. Whitelaw assisted on the first goal. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think. Was it Strathman? Strathman. No. Yeah, it was Strathman. Yeah. And Andrew Strathman picking up the first goal of the season for the Phantoms, and then you have Andon Serbone scoring the last goal of the season for the Phantoms. Uh, so again, when you talk about the trades and you know the moves that were made by this team, uh, yeah, yeah, and then um, I mean we won the second game, which was kind of unusual for the Fall Classic. We tend to not do well there, but <laughs> uh, yeah, the Phantoms beating Des Moines two to one on the second game of the Fall Classic, and then I'm trying to remember we Phantoms had what like 18 days off after that. Yeah, didn't play another yeah. game for like a little over two weeks. Yeah, we had a bye week. What? Yeah. So that was like that was like some NFL scheduling going on right there. But yeah, it's get through the fall classic and then had a lot of time to think about it before uh, the season picked back up for the Phantoms. Uh, yeah, maybe too much time there. Um, you know, and then we talk about you know, and you know, you heard a lot of the talk about just kind of the Phantoms slow start to the season, where you have a young team, you have a new coach, you have a new system. Um, you know, trying to put everything together, trying to get everybody to buy in and going through October and November, uh, you know, the Phantoms at the end of November were only uh, six wins, seven losses, uh, three overtime losses, one shootout loss, six, seven, three and one. But at the same time, we're going to get into this in just a little bit, kind of like the Thanksgiving, that little bit of a Thanksgiving break and coming out of that break uh, was really where the uh, turnaround for the Phantoms started. You know, then you had uh, the American Cup taking place up in Rochester, New York. Uh, you know, the Phantoms traveling up there, meeting Green Bay for the second time in a row. You know, we talked about last season, you know, Green Bay getting two wins up there when at the time they really had no business getting those wins. And maybe this was kind of like the reverse story. But again, this was kind of the start of the Phantoms turnaround this season, you know, where Green Bay was the team having success. Youngstown was the team that was kind of scrapping along. Um, Youngstown, you know, getting the two wins up at, you know, the American Cup, beating Green Bay three to nothing and then beating them five to four in a shootout. But again, that was right around that time you started to see that turnaround. Yeah. You know, it was kind of one of those big milestone games for uh, Matt Lipsack. Um, stick tap there. Uh, how many games? Uh, yeah, the uh, the uh, the first game, the three nothing game, that was Matt's uh, 200th game broadcasted. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, you know, obviously it was kind of one of those, you know, um, milestone weekends, uh, I think, all around for the team. Uh, but like you said, um, obviously that was when things uh, were starting to come together and it just kind of started to roll from there. So by the time the Phantoms got to the end of, uh, you know, the 2022 calendar year, they were sitting with a record of 12, 10, 3, and 1. So Again, starting to, uh, you know, after the Thanksgiving break and then into December, starting to turn things around. Um, then we get into the beginning of the year. The Phantoms in January and February going 13-4-1 in that January-February stretch. And then, of course, you know, that we've talked, we talked about at the time ad nauseum on this show, the Cleveland Classic, which took place there at the end of February. Yeah, um, something that was not on the radar um, at the beginning of the season. Well, our radar at the beginning of the season, that was... Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, I was going to say, I don't I don't think anybody's radar at the beginning of the season, but the USHL has played a couple outdoor games, but uh, this was something unique that came up for uh, the Cleveland area. And kudos on the Phantoms organization for leaping 
on the opportunity. Um, yeah, especially Brandon, uh, assistant coach Brandon Dennis. Yeah, everybody we talked to just couldn't say enough about the effort he put in uh, to put that get put that together for Youngstown. And that, you know, that was part of a uh, three-game weekend series with Cedar Rapids, a team that uh, will come up in conversation here again in a little bit for obvious reasons. You know, that's basically how Youngstown ended out the uh, month of February. But again, January and February going 13-4-1-0. Then you get into March, uh, Youngstown going 8-3 in March and then finishing it off in April going 5-2. and So if you put it all together and you look at, you know, the Friday game, the day after Thanksgiving – as kind of that starting point um, from that game to the end of the season, the Phantoms were 33-13-1-0. That's, you know, fairly impressive, especially, I mean, as has been noted, um, this was a young team. And uh, for those that were keeping track, uh, just when the calendar flipped over to 2023, uh, from January 1st to the end of the season, um, as far as record and points, uh, Youngstown was the best team in the USHL. I, I think even going before that, we kind of saw that um, they were starting to assert, you know, kind of a dominance. And even, you know, I, I think some of the top teams kind of saw that coming. You know, when everybody we talked to talks about, you know, from the net out, you know, you saw Jacob Fowler hitting his stride um, at one point there. If I remember correctly, I think it was like three shutouts in a span of like 20 days. Yeah. Something to that effect. You saw the defense just shutting teams down. Um, you know, you saw like the Will Whitelaws and the Andon Sorbones, you know, and then, you know, some of the secondary guys stepping up. You saw, you know, Kenta, who had Kenta. A, an incredible end to the season, um, you know, and then translating over, you know, into the playoffs. I mean, you saw these guys stepping up. Perkins, Rozzy. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, we could go on. <laughs> you know, but, you know, again, you talk about, uh, you know, you talk about the defense, you talk about, you know, Tomas Machu, the year that he had. Yeah. Again, Pavel Funtek, uh, Nick Williams, Andrew Centrella, uh, yeah. Tori Pittner, who's no six. Look at the season Tori Pittner had as a no six. Uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, the he's got a, a, a big career ahead of him. Um, you know, Jack Wilson, who started become you know, becoming involved more offensively there towards the end of the season and then coming into the playoffs. Um, and then, you know, I would argue probably most improved, um, from last season into this season, Chase Patella. Uh, yeah. Um, just his two-way contribution was amazing. Yeah. But then, you know, you know, again, the Phantoms lock up the number two seed in the Eastern Conference, uh, get the first round by, come into round two against Cedar Rapids. And kind of when it was all said and done, the Phantoms having to play Cedar Rapids, the Phantoms having to play Chicago and just kind of the strengths of those teams, you know, you could combine that into what Fargo was going into the finals. So, you know, in a way it was like Fargo wasn't a team per se that they had seen, but they had seen teams like that building up to it. Um, Kind of uh, both aspects in uh, the second round and the third round, a really good defense and a really solid offense. And yeah, I, I think maybe having to, to fight through two different style teams um, definitely led us uh, to a, a little bit of uh, an advantage, I think, over a team that, I mean, played solid offense and defense all around. Yeah, you're ta- you know, you, you talk about Cedar Rapids, like you said, a great defensive team, and not only that, you know, just a great goaltender in uh, Bruno Braveris. You know, in the Phantoms offense, you know, kind of having to 
learn in a way how to beat a defense like that and how to beat a goaltender like that. You know, when you come in, you know, when you come into the finals against Fargo, who has a great defense, you know, and then you're talking about that goaltender combination of Marinov and Castro, you know, and how do we beat these guys, you know, when it's something similar that you saw in the Cedar Rapids series. Then at the same time, you know, and like, you know, like you say, like with Chicago, the polar opposite. Yeah. Not a team that's known for great defense, not a team that's known for great goaltending. Not that they don't have good on either end. Though, you know, yeah. I, I will give Christian Manns his flowers. He is, you know, definitely probably one of the better Chicago goaltenders we've seen in a while. Yeah, I, he is no slouch. You know, any mean when when you're putting together the list of goaltenders that the Phantoms faced in this postseason, and you have you know Marinov, Castro, you know Braveris, you know if you're putting Christian Mann's fourth on that list, that's a pretty formidable list of goaltenders to go up against. Yeah, you know, not taking anything away from Mann's, but you know it's just he plays on a team where the offense can make up for you know a lack of defense or just not a good goaltending night. Yeah, and uh, that is their style. So I mean. But you have, um, but you have that, you know, just kind of, you know, but you have the Phantoms defense having to play against that Chicago offense, shutting them down short of, you know, that game two in the Chicago series, you know, games one, three, and four, just shutting down Chicago. And then again, coming into the series with Fargo, that you're playing a team that has great goaltending, that has, you know, great defense that, you know, put, you know, and an offense that put up big numbers during the regular season. Yeah, so I mean, you are dialed in on both aspects. Yeah, by the time yeah, by the time you get to the finals, you know, and you're talking about defensively, you know, Fargo, the you know, the Anderson Cup champions scored a ton of goals during the regular season and you held them to two goals in the fi- in the final three games. Yeah, and on the other aspect, you look at uh the Western Conference and I mean, I don't think Fargo saw the same level of competition um, offensive and defensively uh, coming into it uh, like we did. So um, I think, uh, you know, that was one of the big factors is, you know, we had to fight to be there. You know, you look at Fargo like Max Swanson, you know, 06 coming in, put up a ton of points during the regular season, was held off the score sheets in the finals. Uh, You know, the same with uh, Cole Knubel. Yeah. You know, Cole Knubel put up 66 points during the regular season, zero points in the finals. Yeah. Uh, I mean, (laughs) uh, that's just one of those things. I mean, uh, you know, we held them to less than one goal per game. Uh, You know, it's a performance, I I think, that stands out amongst, you know, the the Clark Cup finals. Uh, When you look at, uh, you know, the force won the Anderson Cup. To do that, you know, obviously they're they're the best team during the regular season, and uh, we held them to two goals in three games. Now, just for this last bit here, I'm gonna <laughs> we've already gone through the defense, of course, the goaltending, and well, as far as the goaltending, of course, we need to mention Colin Wynn, um, especially down the stretch there, especially towards the end of the season, had to step, you know, with uh, Fowler being out, kind of being held out for precautionary reasons towards the end of the season. Youngstown's still battling for that number two spot. Uh, Colin Wynn had to step up in some in some big games and probably, you know, played some of his best games of the season in that stretch. Yeah, and I mean, uh, we're expecting to see him in camp and uh, back next season, and we have uh, very high expectations. I mean, um, watching his development, 
I have no doubt that um, coming in the next season, he will be at the next level. So, but yeah, just kind of looking through the roster again. I mean, and so the, if anybody else is looking at the roster, this will be new more numerical order. But yeah, like you know, for uh, William Whitelaw, you know, the knock on him going into the season, of course, you know, you know what he was able to do offensively, maybe lack defensively. We saw William Whitelaw playing some hardcore defense in the playoffs. Yeah, uh, I mean, especially the Phantoms get a lead, and he is back in position, uh, you know, um, occasionally out poaching around, but, uh, you know, you don't want to waste that offensive talent. But, uh, yeah, uh, the defense we saw out of him was what we expect from uh, any USHL player, and uh, so those who thought that, you know, maybe he wouldn't be able to uh, reach that level, obviously wrong. And then, um, you know, Miles Gunty, we talked about, uh, you know, at pretty good length on the last episode, uh, just, you know, not able to start the season with the team coming back, you know, from an injury, from surgery and everything else, having to rehab, get back into game shape uh, for him to come back. And then uh, for him to kind of show out in the finals the way that he did, uh, you know, really looking forward to what he has coming up in the future. Hunter Bischoff, just, you know, one of the, you know, the guys we talk about, the role players, you know, one of those third or fourth line guys. You want to, you know, talk about the playoffs that somebody like he had. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that last puck clear. Yeah. Uh, you know, maybe not something you see on the scoreboard, but definitely saved me from having a heart attack. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, <laughs> here we go. Get the text messages ready. Tyler Catalano. Going to see him here in a couple weeks in camp. Uh, really looking forward to what type of season he's going to have coming up. Uh, Justin Varner, uh, you know, not the greatest camp in the world last summer. Uh, maybe a little bit of a slow start to the season. Um, he just kind of melted into his role as the season went along. Um, and I, yeah. be- I, I believe when I w- when it was all said and done, I believe he had like four game-winning goals this season. Yeah, four game-winning goals this season. Uh, somebody who just became more and more dependable as the season got uh, you know went on. And again, really looking for you know big things from him. You know, again, Matthew Perkins. I'm not. I haven't quite heard what his plans are going forward. I don't know if he's going to be back or not. Uh, same with Jake Rossi, two guys that were just absolute spark plugs on this team. Kenta Isagai, again, just kept getting stronger and stronger and stronger as the season went on. He's going to be somebody to watch next year. You know, Brandon Svoboda, I mean, big kid, tons of, you know, tons of personality, plays hard. Um, you know, he's an 05. I would expect he would be back next year. Martin Mishiak, talk, talk about a great playoff run, Martin Mishiak. Uh Yeah. Um, definitely a, a personality on the ice too. Yeah, absolutely. And then, uh, you know, rounding it out and in Serbone again was traded from Chicago, you know, had a decent season with Chicago was traded to Omaha, uh, kind of floundering. There was like, a, I believe his plus minus was like a negative 13, uh, comes to Youngstown. And again, just kind of completely turns his entire junior career around, turns himself into a player that everyone is talking about that everyone wants really, you know, just kind of revived what he had going on, you know, very excited to see what he has going on in the future. But like we said, you know, when it's all said and done, we're going to get into in the next uh, segment here. Um, Again, a lot of these players we're going to see next season. <laughs> it, it's one of those things with uh, junior hockey. Um, you always at this point look at what players might be coming back next year. Um, this is one of the more amazing bunches of players that i've seen possibly coming back only one one player aging out yeah 
Yep, yeah. Nick, Nick, yep, Nick, Nick Williams, Williams. Nick Williams was the only overager on the roster. So yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be very interesting to see what the uh, final thirty man roster is going into the fall classic next year. Yep. All right. So, I mean, as much fun as this season has been, and not only for the team, but uh, you know, for the show and what we've got to do this year, and just how our show has grown over the course of this season. Um, and not only that, but you know, as much as a buzz is about, you know, as far as like what the team is going to be doing, you know, what the team is going to be looking like next year, you know, what this show is going to look like next year. Because I mean, we're not done yet. No, no. <laughs> I mean, uh, we we like to to change things up uh, every once in a while. Um, I think, um, at least looking at the run sheet here, um, we have some possible really cool things coming up. Yeah. All right, so now we've reached the point where we're going to turn our attention to the future. So after the break, we're going to look ahead to what this show and the Phantoms have in store going into the offseason. So keep it here with the Dump and Chase podcast on Western Reserve Radio. You missed the last Youngstown Phantoms hockey game? Catch up with the Dump and Chase podcast. Visiting youngstownphantoms.com or you can call the Phantoms box office. So tickets are. <laughs> Son of a. <laughs> Phantoms box office. Or you can call the Phantoms box office at 330 747 Puck. That is 330 747 7825. Yay. Alrighty. The Dump and Chase podcast, Wednesdays at 5, right here on Western Reserve Radio and the iMedia One Network. We are back with the Dump and Chase podcast brought to you by Advanced Podiatry. So with this season out of the way, uh, right off the bat, we're looking ahead to the offseason, um, our summer plans, the Phantom summer plans. Right away, we're going to take a couple weeks off. Uh, I think we've earned it. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people have earned a couple weeks off. Yeah. But it's it's going to be a quick turnaround between the end of the season and main camp. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that's what happens when you win the cup. That's right. Um, so yeah, we're going to be taking the next couple weeks off for sure. Uh, the Phantoms do have main camp coming up June 12th through the 18th. Um, again, that is taking place at, uh, Prince Cape arena at South point in Cannonsburg, Pennsylvania, a uh, very beautiful area. We're really looking forward to going back down there again for certain. I will be there uh, Friday through Sunday, the 16th through the 18th. You're still working on Friday. I believe I should know that here soon. I, I don't think it's a big issue, but. You know, <laughs> uh, work is work. <clears throat> so right now the tentative plan is, and I, I don't mind this coming out a month, month and a half later than it has in past years, because again, the cup, our draft recap episode with the Phantoms general managers, Jason Deskins and Ryan Kosecki, uh, we will be recording that at main camp because in both of their words, that's the next time we'll be in the same building together. <laughs> uh, I mean, again, everybody's earned a few weeks off yeah every, everybody retreated to definitely everybody retreated to their corners they're sleeping it off before they uh, come uh, back together here in a couple weeks so those guys are no exception yeah so uh yeah we'll have uh, both of them together at main camp uh, that's when we will be recording our draft recap episode going through that um and then of course you know it, it's it's hard to say just you know with scheduling and everything else uh, hopefully we get you know what you know the the feedback we get as far as the people we get to interview you know at these things but you know definitely like andrew goldman ryan ward hopefully we'll be getting 
even if they can sit down for just a few minutes. Uh, we'll be working on that, of course. Uh, usual suspects. The usual suspects. Then, of course, uh, new and old. And again, it might have been hinted to me there might be a surprise or two um, at main camp. So we're going to see how that plays out there. Um, so, yeah, pretty much the name of the game of those three days is just get as much content as we can that can hold us over for a while. Because uh, once main camp's over, uh, the news really dries up until about the end of August. Yeah, um, that's unfortunately one of the the aspects of this league that uh, we've talked about uh, ad nauseum is uh, at certain points you don't get a lot of information and um, we will be milking whatever content we have yeah. uh, at that point. Um, of course, uh, we talked about before, uh, finally, uh, after all these years getting to meet uh, Pete Kropsky face-to-face, the uh, voice of the uh, NTDP, uh, which will be interesting to talk to him with the uh, Phantoms uh, taking Charlie, uh, trading up in the Phase 2 draft, uh, trading with Madison to get the first overall pick in Phase 2, picking uh, Charlie Serrato, uh, recently of the uh, NTDP U-17s and 18s, uh, played for both this past season. Um, and then in the later rounds, picking up Will Vote. So I think he'll be somebody uh, really good to talk to um, as far as those players and, of course, just uh, his history with the game. And I really think uh, once we get that one going, that's going to be a really, really good episode. I'm really looking forward to uh, when we get that one put together. Um, and then, of course, any other like interviews or anything else we do, just kind of any other surprises will just be as they present themselves. Uh, during the offseason, more often than not in the offseason, things just kind of fall in our laps more than uh, going out hunting for them. So we d- we don't know what's happening uh, until something, like I said, just kind of falls in our lap. Um, and we say surprise, they're usually surprises to us. And then, uh, fingers crossed, uh, I usually want to say it's usually about, what, July when the uh, season schedule will come out? Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, we've seen, it, we've, we've seen it early, maybe like... Or like late June, early July, we've seen it July, we've seen it as late as August, so uh, whenever uh, next season's schedule comes out, uh, we'll definitely have an episode there looking at that. Um, and then, of course, once you go uh, from August into September, we're talking training camp and preseason, uh, you know, we'll have coverage episodes as far as all that concern uh, is concerned. And then, of course, uh, season six of the Dump and Chase podcast will be starting at the end of September. Uh, with the Fall Classic, which I'm going to assume, again, we'll be back in Cranberry. I don't think they were really looking for other locations at this point. Uh, that partnership has worked out very well for the league. Uh, maybe not the teams that have to travel all the way to it. Uh, ask Omaha. Uh, um, yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, maybe maybe they'll work on warp technology this year. <laughs> as, as, as opposed to just leaving on a jet plane like last year. Yeah, there's no... There's no bylaws against teleportation, is there? And then, uh, yeah, because they got fined. I think the league fined them, what, like $20,000? And then by the time the draft rolled around, found out they lost a couple of draft picks, too. Yeah, I wonder if anybody was looking forward to taking those. <laughs> Wouldn't know who. Uh, no. But, yeah, it's... It, it, it's one of the it's one of those things uh, kind of it's the dog day if if you're a hockey fan if you're looking forward to next season it's just July and August are just kind of those dog days where if you're someone waiting for hockey those two months will feel like they take forever but if you're in school or a teacher or anybody else like that a baseball fan those those months go pretty quick for you but uh, when you're a hockey fan those are kind of the dog days so we're just kind of scraping for whoever will talk to us or 
uh, whatever we can get to just put something out there so everybody doesn't forget about us. We'll um, let you know. But yeah, so like I said, we have main camp coming up. Um, I will say as far as main camp is concerned, um, if you've never come down to one, especially usually a Saturday evening, and then again on Sunday morning they do the all-star games, uh, the scrimmages there at the end of camp, those are a lot of fun to watch. Um, usually the Saturday night game is the one the team will promote, trying to get people to come down for it. Now, I'm, I'm going to venture a guess because like last season, um, they tried to do the bus, uh, you know, getting people to come down to, uh, you know, catch the bus in Boardman and then come down to uh, see the All-Star game on Saturday night and then catch the bus back. Uh, they struggled a little bit uh, getting um, enough seats filled in order to do it. I would almost think if they tried again this year, that may not be a problem. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you might, you might be able to uh, get a little bit more interest. That's like, uh, I, I, I think, I think this off season, they might, if they try it again, they might have a little better luck filling that bus. You, you might want to get on the bus people. Cause, uh, I have a feeling seating might be uh, at a premium for that. Uh, I think there's going to be some scouts in attendance. Um, I, I think this will be, uh, one of those things that, uh, uh, you see, a lot of uh, interesting people showing up for. Yeah, it's yeah. If you've never been there for one, the arena is beautiful. Uh, yeah, Inkscape is a a, a great arena, and uh, it's a interesting area. They have a yeah. They have right inside the arena. They have the uh, like the burger bar and the restaurant deal. Um, in the one section, uh, they have the uh, coffee shop there. Uh, in the main lobby, which you love. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, just, um, Justin drops a lot of coin at that coffee shop during uh, the weekend, that's for sure. Well, I mean, most arenas, uh, you know, um, ask the people at UPMC. Yeah, I, I'll I'll drop a lot of money on some coffee. Um, I think Inkscape, um, I just saw some video footage on social media. They put in a second sheet of ice. Yeah, there's a whole other section of that building that I kind of didn't know about, but it turns out they're putting a whole other ice rink in there. Yeah, um, I think they used to have, like, soccer and maybe, like, roller hockey in there. Um, somebody told me that they'd seen it set up for conference space, which is amazing because uh, we set up in the conference room pretty spacious. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> uh, anyway, um, so, and a shout-out to all the staff there who have always been really great, so. Yeah, we got, we... We were we were given the conference room last year, which uh, was turned into uh, overall the media room, uh, which we'll be doing the same thing again this year. So if you come down to camp, uh, you catch me or Justin, we'd be more than happy to give you a tour of the whole recording set. We'll, we're going to have the entire setup there. Yeah. Um. The the entire you know it's it, it you wouldn't think it, but there's actually way more to it than you realize, uh, especially with the uh, full uh, traveling uh, show we do here. Uh, with the podcast, we'll have the full setup there. If you'd like to come see it, we'd be more than happy to show you. Um, but yeah, it's it's a lot of fun down there. Um, not only seeing the games, you know, the players, you know, in between games will be out kind of walking around, uh, you know, getting food themselves, socializing and everything else. You get to chat with them. It's, I mean, it's, if you get the chance to make it down, I highly recommend it. Um, yeah, it's something It's really, you know, something that I've looked forward to, you know, for the past few summers and uh, really looking forward to it this year. Um, especially this year. I mean, I'm really excited to see uh, the buzz in the place. Yeah. Well, Justin, at this point, I think we've run out of things to talk about. Uh, at least that people will listen to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
I, I am noticing here my voice is starting to go. This is the most we have ta- ever talked on an episode. So uh, uh, this may yeah. this may be a good time to uh, finally call it quits. So we're going to take one final break. And when we come back, we'll wrap up this episode and wrap up season five. So stick around one more time with the Dump and Chase podcast on Western Reserve Radio. And welcome back, and that will do it for this episode, and that will do it for Season 5 of the Dump and Chase podcast. Uh, So right away, we want to thank the official sponsor of the Dump and Chase podcast. Again, that is Advanced Podiatry. Be sure to check out advancedpodiatry.com. So before we get through all the final stuff, of course, uh, we have our thank yous we want to give, first and foremost, uh, to the front office of the Youngstown Phantoms, uh, from Andrew to Kelsey to uh, Maddie to Anna. Those guys have been incredible with us, you know, not only this season, but every season, again, just kind of allowing us to do the things that we're able to do, you know, even being an unofficial show. These guys have always been so generous um, and so candid with us, and it's something we appreciate, um, you know, and then, of course, uh, you know, Coach Ward, uh, Coach Gotkin, uh, you know, Coach Contois, Coach Dennis, you know, uh, Smitty, who <laughs> <laughs> Who, uh, by the numbers of one of the uh, best episodes, but we have one of the best episodes. Uh, it's it's in the top three, uh, and it shot up there pretty quick of uh, episodes we've ever done. <laughs> and then, of course, uh, the players. Um, you know, a lot of the times when we talk to these guys, it's right after a game. You know, they've gone out, played their butts out, and they're you know willing to hang back, take a few minutes, you know, to talk to us so we can put them on the show. Um, you know, a lot of appreciation to them. Of course, our two twenty two crew. I'll tell I'll tell you what, no, probably nobody more uh, than Kevin Carney was happiest about that cup win. Uh, uh, we, yeah, we wish he could have been there to celebrate it with us, but uh, I he was there. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, no doubt. Um, yeah, I I think us winning the cup um, and, and the timing was just kind of fate. Yeah, it's it, he was in that arena and he had the best seat in the house for that arena. I can guarantee that. So. Happy that the team could not only win the cup, uh, but, you know, get it for the Carney family. Yeah. So, again, like, you know, to our 222 crew, uh, Bob and Sherry, of course, Bridget, um, you know, Kevin and Barb. And then, of course, last but certainly not least, um, all of you listening. If none of you listened, it would basically be back when we first started, but we kept uh, trudging through anyways. <laughs> but... <laughs> Yeah, we uh, so many new people have come on board this season. Uh, so many more listeners. Uh, you know, the, just the incredible feedback we get through the year um, from all of you, um, your continued support. I mean, at the end of the day, we're doing what we do because you listen. Because if you weren't listening, uh, we'd be talking to each other and there'd be no point to any of this. So, I mean, it's you're the reason we keep doing this. The way somebody put it to me, you know, they loved how we expose the team to the fans. I think that's always been kind of the goal, you know, the good and the bad. Uh, this year, there's just been so much good that, you know, uh, it's so great to finish the season this way. You know, and it's, and you know, and that's something that you and I are both interested in. It's not just what you see, but just kind of the nuts and bolts behind it. Yeah, the way it's, I mean, you know, you know. What, what goes into it to put out there, you know, the end result is what we see on the ice. All these people coming together. 
you know, and that's, but that's something that's always interested you and me is just kind of the behind the scenes of it. What does it take to get to that final product? The professionalism, you know, everything that goes on behind the scenes that uh, you just don't see this kind of um, environment in any other sport other than junior hockey. And even at the same time, you don't see it in a lot of the other junior hockey teams. Uh, yeah. You know, you know, podcasts can come and podcasts could go, but it's the Phantoms have been nothing but willing to kind of pull back the curtain and let everyone see the behind the scenes stuff and what it takes, you know, to not only put a team on the ice, but this season to put a championship team on the ice. And uh, I mean, just what it took to put all those pieces together. Uh, I mean, a lot of people did a lot of work uh, to make this happen and, uh, you know, uh, as fans, uh, we appreciate it. Um, as podcasters, we really thank them for letting us have the access. Yeah, absolutely. And then, of course, we want to thank uh, Western Reserve Radio, uh, Jim Craven, uh, Dave Ferris, who have been, you know, not only allowed us onto their network, have been so supportive of us, um, you know, given us opportunities we never thought we would have with this show. Uh, certainly thankful for them. Typically, uh, when we're in uh, when we're in uh, full steam ahead, you can hear the show every Wednesday on Western Reserve Radio at 5 p.m. Uh, not sure how that's going to work through the summer, but we're going to try to keep to that. Um, but yeah, you can hear us again on Western Reserve Radio on WesternReserveRadio.com, uh, the live 365 or TuneIn apps, and the Western Reserve Facebook and Twitter pages, as well as the Youngstown Phantoms Facebook page. You can also catch this show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever it is you listen to your favorite podcasts. You can also find us on social media. Be sure to do that and to follow us there. Uh, you can find us on Instagram, on Twitter, and then, of course, on Facebook, uh, now with uh, the official uh, Facebook page of the Dump and Chase podcast, as well as our website at dumpandchasepod.com. All of this information can be found there. Uh, so, Justin, one more time uh, for season five, any words of wisdom uh, as we come into the off season here and uh, start going for the uh, march for two in a row? The Phantoms are the 2023 Clark Cup champions. I, I can't think of anything other to say than that. Uh, so for this marathon episode, and quite honestly, I hope we get to go do it again this time next year. Uh, so one more time for Justin Irwin. I'm Sam Olmstead. Thank you again, everyone, for tuning in. And we will be back and talking with you soon. Bye now.